Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. What's up, bingers? My guest today is a former Navy cop, now turned podcaster. She hosts the Paradise After Dark podcast with her husband, Ken, where they tell stories of what happens in paradise after the sun goes down. Please welcome Lauren Samples. The internet's full of true crime podcasts. More and more are added to the list every day. Figuring out where to start or where to go next can be overwhelming. But have no fear, I'm here to help. I'm Bob Ruff, and this is the place to find your next true crime binge. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me today all the way from it looks I can even see on the wall behind you. It's nice and sunny there. It is. Nice in the sunshine state, nice warm day in Florida, I presume. It is. It's about 80 right now. No. Well, but we're getting terrible. we're we're getting a cold <laughs> front supposed to be coming through, which means it's going to get down to about 60. All the way down to 60, huh? Yeah. That's that's yeah, cold for us. <laughs> It's currently 32 degrees here in uh, in Michigan today, um, but me like a knucklehead, I'm still wearing my gym clothes. So the walk <laughs> from my from my house to my office in my shorts and t-shirt is my neighbors are always looking at me funny when I do that. But I'm going to get some warm weather. The my Truth and Justice audience doesn't know what's going on, but I'm, I'm working on our next case, and I'm actually going to the desert for a week. I can't say where, but it's desert, which sounds oh. fabulous right now. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I'll be in the desert in uh, April. CrimeCon. Oh, at Vegas. <laughs> Vegas, yeah. Yeah. Is it April this year? I didn't even, I haven't even, I know it's in, in uh, Vegas. I haven't looked at like when it is. It is uh, the last weekend of April, I believe. I moved yeah. it up this year. Usually it's in, in June. You look super familiar to me. Have I met you at CrimeCon in the past? Yes, we've met several times, but it was always in like a big group setting. So, you know. <laughs> well, see, this is what I'm remembering. Was it always in a big group setting and possibly we were both drinking heavily? Probably, yes. Yes, absolutely. It's all coming back to me now. I feel like I remember you in Austin in some some outdoor well, patio area. Yes, yes. But remember, <laughs> we actually played uh, True Crime Trivia. We didn't play against each other. I don't even know what team you were on, but um, I was playing with you guys that day. And okay, I actually Alice. almost won. I, I, was, I was second. I came in second. Dr. Shiloh beat me. That's true. But if I remember correctly, I was cheated. And Rebecca cheated me on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know anything about that, so... I don't remember how, but I remember I was very upset. I was uh, uh, Shiloh and I have a bit of a, a competitive 
thing going on between us. So I was really pissed off that I didn't get to go. I do remember that you you were the finalist and the uh, the head to head with with Doctor Shiloh. Yeah. And, uh, no offense, but that should have been me. I should have been the champion. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I could have beat you though. <laughs> yeah, it could be. I was. Uh, it, I just so happened that the the topic that was that was all my all my questions were based on. I had just watched the Heaven's Gate documentary, like the week oh. before I went, and all the questions were on Heaven's Gate, and I was nailing it. And there was some sort of I don't know what it was, but whatever it was, I won. Basically, in my mind, I won the competition. <laughs> have to have a rematch. Right. Right. All right, so let, let's the, let the audience learn a little bit about you. So your your podcast, Paradise After Dark, has been – you've been up and running since 2018. You just crossed, what, three years? Yeah, we're at about three and a half years right now, yep. Nice. Uh, it, and uh, any plans to stop? No. Actually, uh, we haven't really told our audience yet, but as of January 1st, we're going to be going weekly instead of biweekly, and we're going to branch out outside of Florida. So, Oh, that's awesome. Going to get a lot busier. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And, and now, I guess we should back up a little bit and learn a little bit about you. But yeah, right now, the, the podcast covers all Florida cases. Right. But So you're, you're going twice as many episodes, you're expanding. So the podcast is growing. You do the podcast with your husband, Ken, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, tell me a little bit about that. Like, how does I? It's funny. You're the second father, or father and son. Uh, <laughs> I I just came from back to, back from vacation, and my brain's not working quite right yet. You're the second husband and wife team that I have I've I've had on recently that do podcasts. So, you know, whose idea was this? It was my idea, definitely. How much convincing did it take to get Ken it on board? It took a while, actually. It, it it took a while, but then you know I got him turned on to listening to true crime podcasts, and mm -hmm. then he got a little bit more interested. And I was like, "Hey, we can do this. You know, it'll be fun. It's something we can do together." And it started as just a hobby type thing, and then it just grew from there. And now, basically, this that's all I that's all I do. So what did you do before? I know that you're you were in the Navy. You were you were a Navy cop, right? Is that right? Yes. Yes, I was. Uh, How did you know that? I I do some serious research on all these do episodes, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm a little creeped out now. <laughs> yeah. Let me lay some lay some some business on you here. So you were yeah, you were a cop in the Navy. Uh and then uh from what my sources tell me, after you got out of the Navy. You went to college and got a degree as a paralegal. Yes, that's correct. Are you more creeped out yet? Mm, no, well, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, if I'm going to be honest, Erica did all that research for me. Okay, uh, so, that's So cool. she's the creep. She's down there in the little black box in the Zoom call. She's the creep <laughs> that is digging into all your personal affairs. Um, next up is your social security number and your uh, address, <laughs> driver's license number, uh, your, your, your car, what color it is. Uh, but no, so you, but you get out of the, you got out of the Navy. How long were you in the Navy? Four years. Four years. Where were you stationed? I started out in Suda Bay, Greece. I was there for a year and then I Came back to the States for a little bit, and then I spent my last two years over in Bahrain, 
which is like a little bitty island off the coast of Saudi Arabia. Okay. It's, yeah. <laughs> no fun. No fun. Well, so how was Greece, though? Greece, is, I would hear, is beautiful. Greece was beautiful. Greece was absolutely beautiful. I want to go back there on vacation someday. Mm-hmm. Someday. And was your husband also in the in the Navy or no? No, we actually didn't meet until I was out. Okay. And I moved back to my hometown and we met through friends. Now your hometown, now you're in Florida. Are you calling your hometown Florida? Because you're originally from Indiana, right? No, Ken is originally from Indiana. Oh, Ken's I am originally from Indiana. Florida native. Gotcha. So you're Florida. Yeah. I see uh, Erica does say you are a Florida native and see now Erica when you write these notes <laughs> it's the order in which you put things you know I can't figure this stuff out <laughs> it says hosted by Lauren and her husband Ken and then she put from Indiana which I assume meant you were both from Indiana and I was trying to sound smart and look what you did Erica <laughs> um so he's from Indiana but you're you're originally from Florida yes yep what part of Florida? Uh, Naples, Florida. Way south. Okay. Way south. And and what was Ken doing down there? Well, he moved here, uh, I guess, when he was about 12 with his family. Okay. So he pretty much grew up here. Can't call him a native, but he's been right. here long enough. So since he was a child, still kind of his hometown. Now, yeah. now he is the son of a canine cop. Was that yes. accurate? Yes. Okay. Yes, that is correct. Wow. So, <laughs> she's pretty fucking good. She really is. I guess I, so. If I Wow. I and and you know the kind of the whole point is that I can I, I sound like I'm very smart and well read into my my guests and every time I I give <laughs> I give myself away and give her the credit for her, but she yeah, she's a great researcher. Yeah, and and I'm told by my sources, that uh, the him being a son of the canine cop kind of sparked his interest in true crime. Is that right? Yes, I yeah, pretty much. So, so what's this like? So you you get out of the navy, you're going back to school to get your paralegal degree. What uh, what is Ken doing for a living when you guys when you guys meet? Well, he sells propane and propane accessories. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that's what he does. He sells propane and uh, grills. Um, barbecue grills and whatnot. So, and he's actually, he's actually worked at the same place since he was 16 and he's 46 now. So. Wow. Um, and he's still, he's still doing it. Still selling the propane and propane accessories. Yes. And if you ask him nicely, he'll do the Hank Hill impression, but you have, you, <laughs> you have to be special because he can do it really well. It's pretty I bet, funny. I bet, I bet he can. Does he ever just stand out in your front yard leaning against the fence <laughs> with his buddies drinking a beer? No, no, no. Not like that. <laughs> Man, I, I don't tell him that. So we're recording this a couple days before Thanksgiving that I will be cooking my Thanksgiving turkey on my big green egg, which is a charcoal grill. And I'm I'm sure that's that's a big no-no for Ken. Well, I I don't know what – well, we grill our turkey every year. Well, obviously, we use propane. But we obviously, gr- <laughs> obviously, yes. Yeah. Um, but our turkeys are amazing on the grill. I don't know. I've never done one with charcoal, but so much better that way than in the oven. I think. I don't know how to cook one a different way. I've I've only ever done well. So I'm 42, and I just got uh, my wife and I just had this epiphany like three years ago 
as we were running to her parents and my parents and bouncing all over the place. We, we, as we cross into our 40s, we just it's like, you know, I feel like there comes a point in your life when you're an adult and you have your own four kids that maybe you could just have your own Thanksgiving instead of running yeah. all over the place. So, yeah, so we, we started that a few years ago. And now, now both of our parents just come to our house and we do Thanksgiving here. Yeah. And then I was panicking because we made all these arrangements. And then I was like, so how are you going to cook the turkey? And she's like, I don't know. I've never cooked a turkey. My mom cooks it. How are you? Maybe you. I'm like, I don't know. My, my folks. Always, I didn't, <laughs> neither one of us knew how to cook a turkey. Turns out it's not as complicated as they always make it out to be. Well, honestly, I've never cooked a turkey. Ken cooks the turkey. I've never cooked a turkey, so I would be in the same boat. <laughs> uh, he should really try that charcoal. They come out a lot better. <laughs> Maybe you guys can have a conversation about that. <laughs> so here you are. You meet Ken. He's he's selling propane and propane accessories. And uh, and now you went to school to to get your degree in as a paralegal. Did you? Then you were working as a paralegal after that. I was yes for several years. I worked as um I. Worked as a criminal law paralegal. I worked for a defense attorney. And, um, well, no, first, actually, I worked for the clerk of courts in the criminal court department. And uh, then I worked for a criminal defense attorney. And then he retired. So I ended up being offered a job by another lawyer that was in his firm. And I ended up doing family law for a few years, which, if you think criminal law is bad, family law is like... The worst, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm divorced with two kids. I've been through. <laughs> I mean, not, yeah. I'm not divorced now, but I was divorced. You know? Yeah. So it's, I don't know. I was a little bit miserable with that. So, uh, well, do you know what I did next? You know what? Uh, my notes end with paralegal degree. Thanks a lot. Erica. Oh, well, so random, not randomly, uh, I actually quit my job. It's probably been over like five years now. And um, I went to beauty school and okay. I became a cosmetologist and I am still a licensed cosmetologist and I do still cut hair uh, maybe like a few days here and there, um, but mm-hmm. mostly I just work on the podcast. So that's quite a career arc. So you, you went and you're yes. like the exact opposite <laughs> of your husband who at 16 years old settled into the Hank Hill life. And is still going strong with it. You went, did you go to the Navy right out of high school? I did. So I've always had aspirations. When I was a kid, literally the reason I joined the Navy was because my goal was to someday be in the FBI. And I mm-hmm. knew that military experience, particularly being a police officer in the military, would get me that much closer to that goal. And then obviously I had the GI bill to pay for my college. And then, you know, things changed. I decided to go the law route rather than the law enforcement route. And um, I still enjoy it, but I still am very much interested in crime. And I mean, I was watching Forensic Files when I was like 12. I read Mindhunter, I think, when I was like 15. John Douglas oh, wow. was my hero. <laughs> it's interesting that you went the law route. I know a lot of folks that have, you know, been through the military as, and, and usually that's kind of the natural progression is that they're a cop in the military, then they come out and become cops when they when they get out. But you went the other way and went with the. Did you have aspirations of of becoming a lawyer, or was just 
paralegal just kind of dipping your feet in and seeing if you liked it? Uh, there were times I thought about it, but law school is super expensive. So, um, yeah. <laughs> and time consuming. Yes. Yes. And I'm, I was already four years behind because I, right. I did four years in the Navy. And then I actually took a couple years off and then, did, and then started school when I was like 24, I think, uh-huh. is when I didn't even start college till 24. And then- right. It's yeah. I so, was already, so law school from there, you'd be just about now finishing up, probably. Right, exactly. So mm-hmm. that's like, uh, you know. Yeah, it's tough that it takes a lot because I went, you know, as I got into this work, and you know, the further and further I got into it, there was there was a time when I thought, you know, what, I should just I should just go full steam ahead and get a law degree and become a lawyer because I'm just so passionate about, especially these wrongful conviction cases I work. Mm-hmm. And then it's like as soon as you start, especially when you're when you're you know my age and you have a family, it's like this is not practical. I can't first of all can't go to school full time. I have to work to you know make a living for my family. I can't be away from my from my wife and kids that much. And so it would take me 15 years. I'd have my legal degree about the time I want to retire. My <laughs> right, exactly. I gave up on that dream pretty pretty quickly. So and you know that world, it's it's a. I don't know how to put it. The, the the lawyers and I don't know. It's just sort of a sleazy world, if you will. Well, yeah, not a lot of people think real highly of lawyers in general. I mean, I know right. some good ones, but there's there's still dirty, you know, dirty lawyers, right? Actually, the last lawyer I worked for, I loved him to pieces. He he did the family law. Uh, he was wonderful. Um, and he, and I didn't quit because of him by any means. I quit because of the job because you know how a nurse is to a doctor. Well, a paralegal is to a lawyer and we deal with all the clients and we do all the work and the lawyers basically kind of sign the paperwork and show up in court. And, um, it was, it was particularly hard when I worked for the criminal defense attorney because he did a lot of federal work. And our our clients were actually all over the country, and uh, they would call, and they they just call because they were lonely, but then be uh, like, oh, I don't really want to sit here and talk to this murderer for a half hour about whatever. I don't right? know. Yeah. <laughs> it weighs on you know. There's a burnout factor in any job. Yeah, that's true. It's just, yeah, and I uh, could go back to it eventually. I did learn a lot of, especially research, legal research and whatnot. That's really helped mm-hmm. me, especially with the podcast. And right. um, I'm a very good, I guess, what Erica does, stock, stalker, stalking right. <laughs> people. <laughs> Cyber stalking people. So, I, I mean, I, yeah. uh, to be honest with you, her background into you is is pretty disturbing. I mean. You know, there's some basic things, but I mean, <laughs> she shouldn't. She shouldn't know that your husband moved to Florida when he was 11. Like, that's not right. Why does she know that? <laughs> that's not Erica. Like, we're talking to you. <laughs> that's not. That's not online, right? I mean, you can't look up when. I mean, really, moved to Florida. I really want to know how you knew that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah, and, and that his dad was a canine cop. Like, yeah, like, like she, how? She's how, not. Oh, she's how hiding. Did she know that? <laughs> Yeah. Well, she's not Mike, so she can't defend herself. But, but this this is super creepy, uh, Erica. All these things that you know about it. 
<laughs> it's funny, though. It's funny. So tell me about the conversation when you tell your husband that you want to make a true crime podcast. So at this time, you're 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 working as a as a cosmetologist, beautician, whatever. You're cutting hair yes. and such, and yes. you're selling propane and propane accessories. And you guys said, do you guys Correct. have kids? We uh, we have. I have one, and he has one. Okay. They're all both out of the house, though. So okay, we're empty nesters, if you will. So a couple of empty nesters sit down after a hard day's work and you're having dinner and you say, hey, Ken, I have an idea. Like, how did, like, well, how does this happen? How did the, how did the whole podcast well, come to be? It just kind of started out, I guess, maybe in a joking way. Like, hey, we could do this. We could totally do this. You know, we could. And it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ha, ha, ha. And then finally I got serious and I'm like, I actually really want to do this, even if it's just for fun. And he he's such he's so wonderful you know all my crazy endeavors he supports me in everything and anything i want to do even if i want to quit my career and cut hair for a living totally supports right. me so um we bought like these cheap gaming microphones we didn't even have a mixer we our first you know we had no clue what we were doing and um but we just started doing it and we learned along the way we eventually got better stuff, better equipment. We mm-hmm. learned, you know, learned what to do, what not to do. And uh, now here we are three and a half years later. We got invited to CrimeCon last year, which was huge for us. That that was like the end goal, you know, like right. to be asked to be asked to CrimeCon was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. You guys don't by any chance, were any of the, either of the kids named Bobby by any chance? No. Just all of a sudden, just a, 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 a damn it Bobby just came to my mind. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 Sorry, no, no. The, they're field. both girls. They're both girls. <laughs> no Bobbies. I guess a girl could be a Bobby, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, he can say that about me when you tell him that I cook my turkey on charcoal. He can call me Bobby. <laughs> He's going to laugh so hard when he hears this. <laughs> I wish he could be here. Yeah, he's busy selling those pro. It's probably a busy time of year right before Thanksgiving. It is. It is insanely busy. This is our season um in Florida. This uh uh-huh. you know, it's opposite of up north. Like the winter time is our season, so our the population like quadruples in our town and Sure. Everybody coming from Michigan to go down there. Exactly. They got their winter homes here. So So tell me about the name Paradise After Dark. Where'd that come from? Um I don't I don't remember how we settled on the name. It was Erica knows, if you don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) She probably does. Uh, we were trying to think of something like everybody, especially in the area that we live, it's actually Naples, Florida is actually beautiful. It, it is sort of paradise. Uh, we don't live on the beach or anything. We live more inland where the working folk are, but um, it is like paradise. But it, And it kind of came about because the area we live in tries to... I don't want to say like try and hide crime, but a lot more happens here than mm-hmm. they want to print in the newspaper and whatnot. And so I was like, 
well, what happens after dark, paradise after dark? I don't know. I, I can't even remember the conversation. I think we just settled on that. But paradise being Southern Florida where you're at and... Well, when we very first started, we were just doing Southwest Florida, which is where we are. Like uh-huh. we literally just doing Southwest Florida. And then after about a year, we branched out to all of Florida. And now we're ready to make the jump and go global. But That's we got, awesome. and we thought about changing the name, but I don't want to change the name because we've, we've already kind of have the reputation. So I'm not sure. I don't know if I should talk about it yet. What, uh, what I think the, it's the perfect time. We love well, to break the break stories here on True Crime Binge. So we're still sort of working it out, but we are going global. But I'm trying to find cases that are sort of like vacation disappearances or Mm -hmm. like Allison Mack, who killed her mom and put her in a suitcase over in Bali. Okay. Like sort of kind of keep the paradise in there a little bit in some way, but I'm not sure yet. We haven't really got... Well, it's funny because I already have our cases lined up until March of next year. So I guess I do know what I'm doing, but it's hard to explain. <laughs> right. Well, we don't want to give it all away, people. Right. Start. So that's January 1st. You're going weekly? Weekly, yes. Nice. And, the, and so the, the format of the show is you do a lot of like unsolved cases in Florida, but then you also have some episodes that are just like about like Florida urban legends. Yes. Yes. Every once in a while, we throw something in there, some kind of urban legend or, you know, some sort of mystery just to keep it interesting. Now, outside of like the urban legend stories, like what would you say the mission of the podcast is? The mission. My personal mission, I, I prefer to do the unsolved cases. That's why most of our cases are unsolved, um, because I personally would like to just help the families and keep the word out about these unsolved cases or disappearances. I mean, just keep the word out, just keep it in people's minds. We have had a couple times people with information contact us with information about an unsolved case. And I, in turn, called Crime Stoppers and then got hooked up with a detective and passed the information along. But that's sort of my goal is mm-hmm. I don't really sometimes it bugs me to think of true crime as entertainment because right. it's it's not I mean it it is in a way and you have to do those cases on like random serial killer here and there or an urban legend but my mission is to help people get justice or help cases be solved or find yeah. missing people yeah, and and listening to some of your your episodes, seems like you guys are doing a. It seems like you you guys kind of target cases that don't have already have a lot of media attention. So you're kind of shining a light on them. We do, yeah, we do. Yeah, and 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 that's what you know a, a big, I think a big important player in the in the space are the shows like this that that are keeping these cases from becoming irrelevant and keeping the spotlight on them and. You know, we just finished up a case on Truth and Justice. For, we did kind of a mini season, and it wasn't really investigated for the first time. It was a, a lawyers brought it to us, but it, when when that happens, it tells me how powerful like what you're doing and what a lot of, especially a lot of the short form shows do 
for bringing attention to cases was when, you know, this Pablo Velez's attorneys came to us and said, look, here's the case. We're still fighting it out in court. We pretty much know who actually did this and he's wrongfully convicted, but we need people to hear his story. We need support. And so they bring it to us and then we tell the story and, and, and get people engaged. And I think that that's a, it's a huge value in a lot of the short form podcasts because you don't know what it's like to be the family member or the parent or, or victim or whoever that has never had their story told. And they're watching and listening and seeing everybody else. The story is getting attention and getting help, and they're not getting it. So I think it's awesome that you guys pick out cases that aren't already hugely in the media, for the most part. For the most part, yeah. There's some cases that I won't touch just for that particular reason. Like, we will never cover Casey Anthony. Uh, right. we were, we're not going to cover Ted Bundy or, you know, there's a lot of notorious stuff here in Florida. And it's like, why are we going to waste our time when we could use our time? For this other case out of Sarasota that nobody knows about, and the parents were, were in contact with the parents or, or the sisters or, you know, somebody. We've had, we deal with a lot of uh, family members. Uh-huh. And um, sometimes they'll talk, they want to talk to us on mic and we have them on. And um, sometimes they don't, which is fine. Um, but I find having a family member on is makes it more real to the listener. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. And and I stay in contact with, I just got a message less than a week ago from a, a mom. We covered her son's case early, way back, when, like when we first started. And um, there was a little bit, little development in the case. And she she's so excited. She wanted to share it with me, you know? And it was right. just like... You know, makes you feel good that you're that you're helping people, these victims and victims' families. It's really something I'm passionate about. Yeah, anytime, anytime you're doing something, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're making some effect, great or small, on on another human. I think it's 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 a great thing. And, and again, people just don't. It's easy to sit back and look at the stories that we tell and the things that we do, and be like, well, that's just for entertainment or. Or even you get the well, that case wasn't interesting enough for me. But it, but it, but it's 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 getting someone's attention, and it and it means a hell of a lot to the family members, particularly yeah, when, you're, exactly. when you're telling these stories. Exactly. So speaking of one of those cases, uh, you guys did a three part series on the Taylor McAllister case, which is a pretty tragic case out of Florida. Yes. Yeah, and you did some pretty some in depth interviews with her parents during mm-hmm. that. So why don't you give us kind of the the beats of that case? I don't want to give too much away. We want people to go listen to the whole three part series. Um, but you know, Taylor's uh was a was a twenty two year old uh, mom. She had twin girls. Uh, she struggled with some addiction, and then kind of take it from there. What you know, what ended up happening with her case? Well, she ended up. Like you said, she was struggling with some addiction issues, and she ended up in this relationship with a 50-something-year-old man who was not a good guy. Mm -hmm. And from what the family and friends and people who knew her gathered, he sort of, they got together and she ended up moving in with him, and then he got very possessive over her. And he kept her supplied with drugs and money 
which sort of kept mm-hmm. her there. You know, she's 22. He's right. fi- he's 50 something. He's already he already had a criminal record for all kinds of bad stuff, drugs, battery. Uh, I I think at rumor it was that he pulled a gun on his ex wife at one point, but he was charged with like assault. And anyway, so something happens one night and he calls his drug dealer, Deontay Baker, and Baker shows up with this other guy, Karan Archer, and he and Taylor's unconscious. And he says she's overdosing or something, she's sick, get her out of my house, take her to the hospital. And long story short, she doesn't end up at the hospital. She ends up in an alley. Uh, her, and during her autopsy, the cause of death was asphyxiation and the manner of death was homicide. The problem with this case is there's only two people who know what happened that night in that bedroom and one of them's not with us anymore. So the all three, uh, Archer, Baker, and Butler, Butler, uh, he's the old guy. Did I mention his name yet? No. So that, and I didn't realize. So that was the, the, the Robert Butler. That was the boyfriend. Yes. That was the old mm-hmm. boyfriend. And then there was, uh, Deontay Baker and Karan Archer. They were all charged with failure to report a death, which is a misdemeanor. Meanwhile, uh, Taylor's autopsy, and I read the whole autopsy, her family has stacks and stacks of notebooks. They have every single thing you could ever know about this case. They have copies of it, and they sent it all to me. And um, according to the autopsy, she had bruises on her arms. She had uh, bruises all over her body, basically, bruises on her neck. She had his DNA underneath her fingernails. Meanwhile, when the police interview him the following day, he has scratches on his nose and his arms. And then they find that his DNA is underneath her fingernails. She has petechiae in her eyes and her mouth was basically abrasions in her mouth, like something was smashed against it. Mm -hmm. So, and even the coroner or the, the medical examiner ruled it a homicide. But for some reason, this guy is still out there. And the other two guys, they're, I think that they might actually be in prison for different reasons, drug reasons. But this man is still out there and nothing has happened to him. And his, her family's convinced he killed her for some reason. Maybe she tried to leave him. I don't know. Well, I mean, the, the evidence seems it, it's a bizarre case because. So the the if I understood it correctly, the the medical examiner, like you said, ruled it a homicide that she was asphyxiated, like some like as you said, somebody held something over her mouth and choked until she choked right. to death. Exactly. And then they dump her body in this alley. Mm-hmm. the The DNA comes back, and she's got you know Robert Butler's skin underneath her fingernails. He's got claw marks on his face. Seems, I mean, pretty damn clear what happened and they don't charge them, but then they still have it open as a cold. Like it would make sense to me if they're like, no, we think she overdosed. 
and this happened. Okay, so case closed. It was an OD. They get charged with not reporting the right. uh, the body. But instead, they say, no, we still think it's a homicide. It's still a closed case or an open case. But we know that, you know, whose DNA is under her nails. We know where she was. We know who she was with when she died. And and it's still open and they have a Crime Stoppers reward for it. Like, they're trying to figure out, you know, what <laughs> random third party came into the mix here and killed her. So you can understand the frustration with this. Yeah. and And her parents... I've been in contact with her parents quite a bit and, you know, they're just beside themselves. Now we're coming up on the six year anniversary. It happened uh, in 2016, December 22nd, 2016. And, um, you know, they're just, they keep fighting and fighting. And, and the St. Petersburg police department has basically told them to fuck off. Like, Right. Really. And and they I'm not sure exactly what was happening. I know there was some there's there was some Facebook stuff going on and uh they actually received a cease and desist l- letter from the sheriff's department telling them mm-hmm. to stop talking about the case, stop talking about whatever they were talking about. And and their lawyer basically said you can just throw that in the trash because they can't stop you from Right. discussing or trying to get justice for your daughter's murder. It's just, it's so frustrating. It makes me crazy. And it it makes me crazy because we know who did it and we know how it happened. And for some and reason- the police know. I know. I know. I know. So what's <laughs> going on here? We're going, We're coming on six years. What's going on? I don't understand. Well, hopefully the work you did on the case, uh, and and hopefully this interview will get some more people to go te- check it out. We'll put some more light on it, put some pressure on it. Uh, check out that three-part series. The podcast is called Paradise After Dark. Her name is Lauren Samples, and the podcast is called Paradise After Dark. Check it out. I'm sure it's going to be your next true crime binge, and definitely check out the three-part series on the Taylor McAllister case. Lauren, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. It was nice seeing you again. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, it's awesome. I'll see. Are you coming to CrimeCon? I think so. I haven't made any like definitive plans or seen the schedule. There's there's kids spring breaks around there and stuff, so I got to yeah. figure all that out. But I would like to. Okay. Well, maybe I'll see you there. And thank you so much for having me. Crime Binge is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Audioboom. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing. Music and artwork by Shane Yoder of PutThemInASong.com. Our website, TrueCrimeBinge.com, was created by Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com. If you're a listener and would like to recommend a future guest or a podcaster that would like to request an interview, you can do so right on our website. And again, that web address is TrueCrimeBinge.com. If you're enjoying the show, please do me a huge favor and take a minute to rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're using to listen. And make sure you give us a follow on social media. We can be found everywhere at True Crime Binge. 
Thank you so much for listening and make sure you tune in next Wednesday morning for another podcaster, another case, and another true crime binge.